the biggest struggle that you will have in your life is not with someone else or a trial or a struggle that you're going through. The biggest struggle you will ever have in your life is with yourself. Can I get an amen? What, what we're looking at in this series we've been, we jumped into, Pastor Rand did a great job last, uh, last week uh, starting it off for us. And uh, I was going to say Pastor Brandon last year, and that's true. He did it last year. It was last year he preached that sermon last week. Um, we're looking at less of me. And the, the, when we look at, we, so many times I think in our struggle in life is we, we tend to look outwardly. We tend to look at that thing that we're faced with, the mountain that's in front of us. And we tend to focus on that thing, like that's the thing that's going to defeat me. But, but that's not the thing that defeats us. What defeats us is ourselves. And, and the struggle is trying to overcome ourselves. And we're, we're consistently fighting that need to always satisfy myself. My, my need to be me. We're constantly fighting that. For, it's, it's taking care of me. It's, it's wanting to be noticed and recognized for me to get ahead, for me to be served. Uh, there, was a, there was a statistic I saw that says that we check our phones a hundred times a day. You know, we're, we're connected now with social media. What are people saying? What are they doing? We're constantly looking at our phone. And, and for young people and um Teenagers, they check their phones 3,000 times a day. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just, I've got kids. I've got teenagers and young adults in my house. And they are just like, just, it's, it's like, just, there's, it's just, you walk into a room and everybody's just like this. It's, it's just the way we live, isn't it? It's just the way, it's just the way we live. And it's, it's, if we're constantly fighting, um, this attitude, that we live in our culture that caters to our needs, which, which gives us this sense if we're not careful, a sense of entitlement where I said, you know, I, I deserve this. I've earned this. You know, don't you know who you're talking to? And this type of thinking comes in direct conflict with what Jesus taught his disciples and how Jesus wants his followers to actually act. So let, let me just start out by throwing out this statement to you this, this morning. How do we fight me? How do, how do we correctly fight me? Here, here's how we do that. Here, here's how we, we correctly fight me. By learning what Jesus has taught his disciples and that servant leadership. We're going to look at today, what, is it, what does it mean? What is servant leadership? Because what Jesus teaches here is completely countercultural to what was going on in his time when he walked the earth and what we're dealing with in our culture today. This, what Jesus taught completely goes against the grain, completely goes against the tide. It goes against the flow of what, what we see in our world today. And so what, what Jesus taught his disciples is this. He said, a, a true leader is first a servant. A true leader is first a servant. If, if we're going to be part of God's kingdom, Jesus says you have to learn what it means to be a servant. And so that's what I want to look at today because really being a servant really flows in every other area of our, of our living. If we, if we understand what it means to be a servant, um, the church is going to walk in unity. 
what keeps the church from going in the right direction is when I want my needs met and when things aren't going my way, then there becomes dissension. I've yet to see in my 28 years of pastoring, 19 years at living word. God bless you guys for keeping up with me. I mean, just thank you, okay? For those of you who've been here 19 years, God bless you, okay? But here's the thing I've noticed over all those years of pastoring. The problem in the church is usually never over like, I don't like that doctrine, you're, you're teaching heresy. This, it's not what we're doing here. The problem that I, we see in the church and unity is I want it to go my way. And when I don't get it my way, then I'm going to go the highway, right? I'm going to go somewhere else. That's really the, the problem is me. Am I getting it my way? And so what Jesus does here, he teaches us what does it mean to be a servant? And so, so what Jesus does is he, he gives us great examples of what it means to actually lay down our lives. He gives us this example by how he lays down his life for us. And so what he does is he wants to teach this to his disciples. When when Jesus teaches his disciples, he wants to teach it to us too. He wants us to learn what does it mean to be this servant leaders? Because if the disciples, if his disciples missed this, it would hinder and even stop the message of Jesus from, from going forward or getting out. So before Jesus and his last week on earth, Jesus had a couple of opportunities to teach his disciples about servant leadership. And and it's amazing because some of the greatest examples that Jesus leaves his disciples before he leaves the earth, which I think Jesus would say, these are the most important things I want you to grab. I want you to grab onto these concepts. I want you to understand because if you get this, the gospel will go forward. The church will be strong. The body of Christ will move forward in the power of of my Holy Spirit. So you got, you've got to, you got to, you've got to get this and it is about serving. So on one occasion, um, I want to give an example of the, the mother of James and John, who are a couple of disciples of Jesus, came to Jesus and asked him to give a little favor to her two sons. And she asked him this. She says, if her sons could actually sit with Jesus in his kingdom. Now, now she doesn't, really understand as well as James and John, they don't understand about what is to occur and Jesus actually actually going to the cross. That that this isn't that this isn't some earthly kingdom that that that, that Jesus is establishing right here. Jesus is saying, listen, I, I have to first do something for mankind and I'm gonna I'm gonna suffer and go to the cross and give my life for for man. They, they, there's a there's a, a spiritual deficiency we are sinners. We need to be made right with God. They, did, they didn't get that. They thought he was here and he's going to set up some earthly kingdom at this point. Jesus will when he comes back. But at this point, they didn't understand that. So Jesus tells them, you don't even know what you're asking. And Jesus' kingdom would first come through the cross and through suffering. And so James and John would also suffer on the count of being a follower of Jesus. The other disciples hear about the stunt that James and John tried to pull, and they become indignant. So now, now you got the problem. You got the problem within the disciples who are following Jesus, and they're 
and they're jockeying for position. I want this position. Jesus, I want to be right next to you. Is there a place for me next to you above everybody else? You see what's going on here? They're jockeying for position. And so James and John and his mother missed it. They didn't understand the plan of God for man. And then Jesus shares something incredible with them about what it means to be a servant. So I want to read it for you. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. And this is what Jesus does here. You can read along in your Bibles, up on the screens here. But let me, let me show you what Jesus says here. But Jesus called them together, and this is what he said. Now, this is on the heels of them jockeying for position. They're becoming indignant. There's some infighting going on because of position. Jesus calls them together and says, You know that the rulers in this world, they lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over them and those under them. He goes, you see that all around you. There are those in authority, and they flaunt it. They usurp their authority over other people. You know, people work for them, they're underneath them, and they just treat them very poorly. You, you, you guys see that around you, don't you? But he says this, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? Mm, 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 mm. And whoever wants to be what? First among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So what Jesus does here, as he shares the purpose for his coming to earth and the purpose of every follower of Christ, that we are here to serve. That's your calling. I, I don't care what position you have. You may have a position of authority I'm telling even those in the corporate world, if they could learn this, it would change those who are actually following them or underneath them. If they could get that we are here to serve, it changes the dynamics of people around us. Because it's not about me. So Jesus coming to earth, his purpose was to show us how to serve each other and follow Christ. Now, I want to ask you guys a question this morning. Some of you, some of you, Older people like me may not know what this stands for. How many of you know what this stands for? GOAT, this acrostic. G, anybody know? Anybody know what that? Okay, it doesn't mean this. For some of you are thinking, it's not that, okay? Okay, it's not a GOAT. I'm not talking about a GOAT here. But, but the acrostic for, for GOAT actually means greatest of all times. How, how, many, how many of you knew that? Okay, you're hip if you did. You knew that if you've got kids, okay? So when your kids say, oh, he, LeBron James, goat. They're like, LeBron James, goat? What is it? Greatest of all times, right? He thinks he's the greatest of all times, right? Now that's up for debate, but you may say, well, Michael Jordan, he's goat. He's greatest of all times in basketball, right? So, so that's what it means. It means greatest of all times. Jesus, Jesus tells his disciples, if you want to be a goat, if you want to be a goat, you better serve. The greatest is the one who serves. Look at Matthew 23, 11. It's a couple chapters later. Jesus says this, the greatest among you must be what? A servant. The greatest among you, the goat. Jesus was the first to use that, by the way. The goat. 
Jesus said, if you want to be a goat, then you must be a servant. So here's, here's Jesus's point. We got to get this down. Are you ready? Here's Jesus's point. This is where we miss it many times as followers of Jesus. Serving is not something we do once in a while or occasionally, but it's actually who we are. We are servants. That's who we are. It's not something, okay, I, you know, I'm going to pick and choose on my calendar when I'm going to serve, and I'm going to do this, and I serve in the church, and, you know, I'm going to do the dishes for my wife, so I served her there, so I just do it, you know, once every eight months, right? You know, so I, I just do that once in a while, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, actually, that's who we are. When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, that's, that's actually who we are. Now, I, I want to I drill down on this concept to, to have you understand what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others and actually give my life as a ransom. I want to drill down on that because this is an important principle and concept that we need to understand. Because we understand this, the church will go forth in power. The church will walk in unity. If you understand this, it will change the dynamics of your marriage. It'll change the dynamics of your relationship. It'll change the dynamics of your work environment. If we understand this, this is priceless right here. This is so good. And when we understand this, it changes our hearts. This is something that I share in our membership class. It's, it's, it's this principle that will break the need to want to be in charge or break the need to be noticed or break the need of entitlement or break the need of always having to have it um, my way. And it's this concept. It's understanding our, our rights and our responsibilities as a follower of Jesus Christ. So as, as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to understand something. That, that, that we are, are, are losing our rights the more we gain responsibility in the kingdom of God. So I have it, I have it spelled out here um, in this beautiful triangle here. Now look at this triangle. At the bottom of the triangle are those that have the most rights with the least responsibility. And at the top of the triangle are those that have the most responsibility and lay down or have the fewest rights. So let me explain this. Let me make sense of this. Um, how many have kids? How many of you raised kids? Okay, so remember in your house, when you were a kid, right, you, 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 had, abs- you had absolutely no responsibility. You, you didn't pay the bills, right? You didn't pay the heating bill. You had no idea that that even went on. You just went to bed and the heat was on and the lights worked, right? You, 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 had, you had absolutely no rights and you barely, many of us barely had any responsibility besides maybe taking out the garbage or doing different things, right? We had, we had a little bit, but, but that's, you didn't think about the bills or what goes into making a house run. You could show it to your five-year-old. They don't get it, right? You show it to your 18-year-old. They don't get it. I know that. They don't get it. Let's pray because... Got to, oh gosh. So, so, you know, the, so here it is. So all of a sudden, you know, they start getting more responsibility and they realize they got to start laying their rights down. Like, oh, I, I have to pay my phone bill? I thought you did that. You got a job now, right? You got to, that doesn't mean you use it all on yourself. Give me your phone. 
Do you want your phone? You like your phone, don't you? You're starting to hyperventilate right now. I'm thinking, you're going to have to start paying, help pay for that, right? Car insurance. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. I don't think I like this. Here's the point. You start gaining more responsibility. You start losing what? Your rights. Now you get married, right? Woo! You get married, right? You start losing more of your rights. You just can't, you just can't go around dating whoever you want when you're married, right? Your marriage ain't going to last very long or you're going to die. Either way, it's not going to, it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to work. You just, you just can't do whatever you want. That marriage is not going to work. Now you're married to someone else. It's like, you know, you lose more of your rights. You don't have these rights like you did when you were a, a, a single person, right? Now you have kids. Hallelujah, thine the glory, right? Now you have kids. And you got this little baby, and this little baby doesn't get sleeping. They don't, they don't, what, three o'clock in the morning, what is, you're like, it's three o'clock in the morning, you need to be sleeping. You do get, let's sit down. You know, you're talking to your five-week-old. Let's sit down and just have a little chat about what sleep schedule is all about. And so you're up, and guess what? You don't get to choose when you sleep anymore. More responsibilities, less rights. Do you see what I'm getting at here? See, we don't count the cost. See, Jesus says, when you're following me, you've got to count the cost. We don't tend to do that, right? Do you ever just sit down when you buy something or you purchase something large, and then you really begin to count the cost, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of responsibility. You know, everybody, every, every child wants a puppy or an animal, right? And you're like, you know, I'm going to be the one cleaning up after it, I'm the one picking up its poop in the house and the pee stains, everything. And the kids are like, oh, we just want a puppy. Right? And you know, if you got a puppy, there's tons of responsibilities that come with the puppy. And so the more responsibilities, so, so the more you lose your rights. So this is the same way in the church. When you first come to Living Word and you're a guest, you get a coffee mug. <laughs> you're like, wow, coffee mug. And you look in the coffee mug, and there's candy. I came to church, and I got a coffee mug, and I got candy. This place is wonderful. Right? You come in. You sit where you want. All, really, they're absolutely all the rights, no responsibility. Right? Then all of a sudden, you start coming a little bit more. You come the second or third week, and you're like, I didn't get nothing. I ain't got no mug. Got no candy, right? All of a sudden, it's not, and all of a sudden, you're like, you know, I, I want to plug in. I want to plug into living word. All of a sudden, you begin to say, you know, I, I probably need to serve and help around the church. All of a sudden, you start helping maybe the kids, right? And, and all of a sudden, you're like, hmm, I just can't show up when I want. These kids are depending on me. I've got to be there before they get there. I've got to do, all of a sudden, more responsibility. You lose your rights. So I want you to get this because this is what, servanthood is all about in the kingdom of God. When you become a member of Living Word, it's not like American Express, right? Membership does not have its privileges here. It's actually just the opposite. When we begin to take that step, even of membership, we say we want to get plugged in, we want to call this our home. You sit in the membership class, you will begin to realize this, that I've come here because now God has called me here and now 
God wants to use me and I have to lay down more rights because I've, I've gained more responsibility here and I've got to realize that God wants to use my gifts and talents for his glory. So I've got to lay down my rights for this. I'm not expecting to get a coffee mug every week I come to church. Amen. Do we get that? Are you, okay, are we, okay so let, let's understand. So, so here, here's what you need to understand. The higher you move up that triangle, the more you lose your rights. So what's happening here? What's happening here is this. The closer we walk with Christ, the more we will have to lay down our rights. If we don't get this, church is going to be constant rub. There's going to be a constant rub in the family of God. There's, if you don't get this in your marriage, there's going to be a constant rub in your marriage because each person will be fighting for their rights. Listen. Mm, 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 mm. This is something that I always talk about in premarital counseling because every time I sit down with a couple, this is what it usually boils down to. Every single time. Now, yeah, money's part of it. Blah, those are all you know key factors. But when you get to the bottom of our, you know all the arguments, whether it's money or pressure, whatever it all is, we all it's you get to the bottom of it. It's this. I'm not willing to lay down my rights. I'm not willing to do it. I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to become vulnerable. I don't want to get burned. Blah, 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 blah. Right? It all comes down to that, laying down my rights. So Jesus says this. Jesus says, listen, the greatest among you is never a self-promoter. It's never, it's not trying to push yourself forward, trying to get yourself ahead to be the best in your eyes, to step on everybody else. The greatest among you is never, ever, ever a self-promoter. So what Jesus does for his disciples is incredible. Just before Jesus is going to go to the cross, he does something for them to show them this is the way to the Father's heart. If, if you want to be great in my kingdom... You have to do this. And so what he does, he just doesn't speak about it. He actually does something to physically show them what it means to be a servant. So before his betrayal, his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, he does something for them that they would never forget. And this was the epitome of servant leadership. Jesus himself, the son of God, who's in heaven, who's perfect, who, who God incarnate, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. This is God who does this, who should have all the rights. Could, can I get an amen? He should be the one that we're all serving, right? But, but this is what Jesus does for them. Jesus and the disciples are together. The crucifixion is imminent. And he has this one last meal with them. Now, normally before the meal, the guests would walk in and it was customary to wash their feet. I mean, it was just, their feet would be filthy. I mean, people would just many times just throw their garbage and stuff just outside their window right into the streets. Dog, I mean, dogs all over the place. So you, you connect the dots, okay? It's just feet are filled. So that's something that when you walked into somebody's house, um, you'd wash their feet. It's just, they were nasty, just beyond nasty. Okay, so you'd wash You'd wash their feet. And this was usually de delegated normally to a non-Jewish slave. Now, they all walk in for this last meal together before Jesus' arrest and 
crucifixion and they walk in and there's no one to wash their feet. There's no servant there. There's no slave. There's no servant. And so they began to eat without their feet being washed. So Jesus takes this moment. He takes this occasion to teach them one of the greatest lessons that I believe they would learn before his crucifixion. Jesus does this act on the heels of them arguing, nitpicking about who's going to be the greatest. Jesus says, you want to know who's going to be the greatest? I'm going to show you who is going to be the greatest. So let me, let me read for this. Here's the account in John 13. Jesus says this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So what he does is he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin, and then began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. What Jesus does here is he, take, he, he took the role that was delegated to a slave to show them this is the heart of God. So what's Jesus doing? We're like, they're probably thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, you don't, you don't have to do that. This was reserved for a slave. And, but Jesus notices that no one else is doing it. You see, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. This is where we can miss it as believers. The reason why no one even thought of washing each other's feet is for the simple reason they thought they were above it. They're all looking around going, hey, uh, no one else is doing it. Uh, I'm not a slave. I'm not going to wash John's nasty feet. You don't know John's feet. John's feet are nasty. He is the worst. You know, we need to give him some foot powder, right? So no one wants to do it. So the reason why no one even thought of washing each other's feet is for the simple reason that they thought they were above it. See, they didn't understand losing their rights. They, they didn't understand about that. So Jesus, what he does is he actually laid his rights down as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and God. Here he is, God. This is his role. He laid those rights down to show them this is the way to the heart of God. So Jesus does something completely countercultural. The one who was the leader the one who was the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who came from heaven, the one who was the son of God, the one who is God in flesh, laid aside his outer garment and and by taking a towel and wrapping around his waist as a servant would do, bends down and begins to wash their feet. Guess whose feet he had to wash also? Judas, who he knows is just getting ready to betray him. And so what Jesus does is he lays down, he laid down his right. And so Jesus knew this. He knew if their hearts would not change, if they did not understand humility, if they did not understand servanthood, they could not be effective followers of Jesus. He knew this. And so that's why Jesus does this great act before he goes to the cross. So Jesus washing the disciples' feet proved his love for them. And what he does is he sets for us an example of humility and servanthood before them. He said, this is what's going to make my kingdom great. 
This is what's going to make my kingdom and the people in my kingdom walk in unity is when we learn to truly serve each other. Because, and when we do that, and when we do that, we walk in unity. It was interesting. I, you know, you just, I don't know about you, but you just, it, it's hard to find servanthood, volunteer servanthood. Not, um, I have to do this because I'm getting a paycheck, right? You, you go to a, a store or a restaurant and you'll have a server, but they serve you because they're serving for tips. And, they're, and I'm not saying that, that you're insincere, but you're getting paid for that. But it's very hard to find servanthood in our world where someone just says, you know what, they're going to hold the door open for you when you walk in. Are you almost shocked when people do that? Or they let you cut in line? Like, hey, let, you know, I see that, you know, you, you got a big family here. Why don't you, why don't you get in front of us? You know, um, I see that you, you know, I've got 8,000 items in my grocery cart and you have two, right? Why don't you just swing around? You know, some people did, but it's hard to find that, right? We were, we were at Wendy's one day and, um, you know, my family went to sit down and I had like three trays, so I could only grab two. And there's this college student. He was standing there and he's watching the whole thing. He just goes, let me take one of your trays to your table for you. I'm like, what? Are you going to run away with my tray and... Just run outside with it or what, what's going to, and he, I didn't know him. He was a college student. I could tell he was with other college kids. He picks up my tray and he walks to the table, walks to my table and puts the tray down for me. I'm like, who does that? You don't see that just voluntarily wasn't a Wendy's worker. He just was some random person who wanted to serve us with no strings attached. Wasn't getting a tip. Wasn't getting anything. Just wanted to serve. See, That's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. Listen, serve out of what I'm going to do for you. This great act of mercy and grace that I'm going to pour out upon you upon the cross and how you're forgiven for your sins and how you're no longer in bondage to those things and where the guilt of of sin is no longer hanging over your head should create something with inside of us that says, I have to serve, not because I have to, but because I want to. Do you see the difference? When you want to serve because of the gratitude that has been shown to you and the forgiveness and the grace that's been shown to you, this is what Jesus says. Jesus, I'm not going to get you guys into a headlock and hold hell over your head if you don't serve because then it's not done with the right heart. But if you serve me out of gratitude and thankfulness for what I've done for you, it's going to be a sweet-smelling aroma within the body of Christ that we're doing it Willingly, when you willingly serve your spouse, even when they don't deserve it. When this guy didn't know me at Wendy's from anyone, he didn't know me, but he didn't he didn't have a checklist saying, Hey, let, can you come here a minute? I will help you carry your tray, but let me get do a little interview process with you first. First of all, are you a nice person? Do you deserve for me to carry your tray? Are you a good father? Are you a good? He didn't do that. See, what the Bible tells us is that God demonstrates his love towards us while we were still what? Sinners. That's his grace towards us. He willingly laid his life down towards, uh, for us when we were still in our sinful state and didn't deserve it and didn't merit it. See, that's the point. I want to make here. 
is that servanthood, being a servant, is not something that is guilted, shouldn't be guilted over me. It's not something that I feel like I should have to do. It needs to be something that I want to do because of the grace that Jesus poured out to me. And it should be my joy to want to serve. I think, I heard a pastor say it this way in marriage relationship, it it, it should be a competition, a competition of submission. Can you imagine in our church if, if it became a competition of submission, a competition of servanthood? Like, I, I want to serve. Not because I have to, because I, I want to. You see, I'm so thankful for the people that serve Living Word. I mean, we have people that serve, women that serve in the nursery that change messy diapers for the glory of God. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for serving in that capacity. That is serving. Where it's not many times fun to serve in that capacity. But you do it because you love God. With those who work with our children and help them learn about Jesus. You see, we have, like any other church, we have needs. And, and, and my, my prayer for you is that you would step up, if you haven't yet, to say, where is the need in the church and where can I help? We have a need to help our boys on Wednesday night. We have a wonderful uh, program called Royal Rangers of Ministry to our young boys. And um, I just talked to a young mom a couple weeks ago. She was, my son loves coming on Wednesday night. He just, and it's, it's like a Cub Scouts, but it's, it's, it's a Christian-based curriculum where they learn about God, but they also learn how to shoot a BB gun and learn how to work with knives. Sounds cool, doesn't it? I like that, yeah? Um, but we need men. We need men to step up and help in that, in that ministry. You know, we need, we need couples and single people to step up and to help with our children's ministries, um, to help children learn about Jesus. We have needs in the church, and, and if, if we come and say, Pastor, I, I want to serve and, because, because I know Jesus calls me to do that. And I want you to realize that when we're in the body of Christ, we have to get to the point to where we realize that um, it, it, it's got to be more than just me and just coming, maybe coming to church, which is all great and, and being ministered to. We all need that. But, but stepping up and saying, you know, I, I need to lay down some of my rights to serve and to help others grow. And, and that's what less of me is all about. It's, it's maybe taking this new year and saying, what can I do to help others grow? What can I do to help others have a deeper relationship with, with, with Jesus Christ? See, here's the thing. When we serve, we think less about me and more about others. When we serve, we automatically think less of me and more about others. And that's exactly where Jesus says the church is, is a beautiful place. How the church walks in unity is when we begin to think less about ourselves and so that's exactly what, what Jesus did for his disciples. He wanted them to understand this. If, if, he says, if I wash your feet and I'm your master and I'm your leader and I'm your Lord and I'm your king, then you must wash each other's feet. You have to learn to do that for each other and take that role of a servant in each other's lives. Um, I, I heard this story. I, I just love this story. I, it really touched my heart. Um, it's a really good story that, that's a great example of less than me. Um, there's a girl, she was, she's graduated. She was in our youth group last year and she graduated. Her name's, her name's Hannah. 
and uh, she heard about Speed the Light. Speed the Light is our um, is 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 a part of the Assembly of God missions that give um, and help provide uh, transportation vehicles for missionaries around the world. That that could include a car, four wheel drive car, donkey horses, whatever it is, so they can get around to spread the gospel. And it's all done through the youth of the Assemblies of God. And so our youth participate in Speed the Light. And Hannah heard this story about Speed the Light. She wanted to give, give to it. And she had a job. And she goes, you know, I'm just going to give what, all this, whatever I get back in my tax returns, I'm just going to give it all to Speed the Light. And I'm just like, that's cool. I, I just like, here's a teenager that could easily spend it on themselves or I need this, but, but, but thought about uh, beyond herself to give to something. It, what I love about the story uh, of, of Hannah is this. Now she's a youth leader. And she helps with our media on Sunday morning. She's taking those next steps to say, here's a young person that just says, you know what? I want to serve. And I love the story about Hannah. See, here's the thing. I want you to make it personal. I want you to make it personal. Because when I step out in faith and I begin to say, you know, I, I need to serve other people because this is what Christ calls me to do. And I need to lay my rights down. And, 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 and I, 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 wanna, I want this joy in my heart to know, God, that you're working in my life. And I believe that comes when we take that role of a servant for each other. That doesn't, listen, it is a risk. Can I say that? It is a risk. When you step out and you become a servant, people may take advantage of you. Can I get an amen? People may do, but you know what? That shouldn't stop me from serving. That doesn't mean we're not wise or we, we don't have wise decisions. That doesn't mean we become a doormat. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things. But when you begin to serve and you be, begin to serve others, it will get messy at times. It's not always going to be glorious and wonderful and, you know, I'm living the dream. You know, it's not always going to be that way. But you've got to remember what Jesus Christ did for each and every one of us. And my heart is not ultimately about receiving accolades from people, but pleasing my Savior, Jesus Christ. If, you, if your eyes are focused on Jesus and his glory, it will help you work through the vulnerability Listen to me. It'll help you work through the vulnerability and, and the sake of feeling taken advantage of if you're doing it for Jesus. Because Jesus laid down everything and became vulnerable for you and I so that we could have a right relationship with God. And so my prayer for you is that, is that where in my life, what, what can I do to serve better? You know, it, it needs to start in your home. It needs to flow into the body of Christ and how we serve each other. I mean, it can be in simple ways of just holding the door open for people or letting people cut in front of you in line. It's just constantly saying, it's, it's not what I do once in a while, it's who I am. And I know for me, I'm just a selfish person. We all are selfish in some ways, aren't we? Can we just admit that we're selfish sometimes? We are, right? And, and this helps break our selfishness. And this helps break the need for always wanting to please me. That's what Jesus wants from each and every one of us. Amen? So as we go to the table of the Lord today, as we take communion today, um, I want to remind you of what Jesus accomplished for us. That he says, whenever you do this, you do this in remembrance of me, that Jesus 
that the bread symbolizes Jesus' body, that, that the cup symbolizes his blood that was shed for us. And as we take communion today, communion is all about union. That through Christ and his blood, we become one with him. When I put my faith in Christ, we become one with him. We are unified with Christ. And for those that are faithful followers of Jesus, we become one with each other. How do we increase that unity? We increase that unity by how how we serve each other. So as we take communion today, I want you just to reflect in your heart. What are things that I can do in this new year to serve with greater capacity, to serve in a greater way? What are things that I can do to step up, to serve in a greater way? And so pray about that. If it's helping out with our boys on Wednesday night or our children's ministry, whatever it is, what, what can I do? And just step up and say, what can I do? We, we want to plug you in uh, so, that, so that God can use you and you can begin to serve others and watch what God does in your life. So as we take communion today, let me just say this. Communion is open to all of you who... You don't have to be a member of our church, but you have to be a member of God's family. And we're going to pray. And if you're here today and you haven't taken that step, that commitment, and you've not made that profession of faith to Christ, we're going to pray. And you can do that right at your seats and, um, and call out to Jesus. And by all means, take communion together with the family of God. So let's pray and just ask God to go before us. Father God, we thank you for everything you've done for us. Jesus, thank you for just setting the example before your disciples and before us on what it means to be a servant. We, none of us in this place are perfect and we fail in so many ways and we're constantly fighting against our selfishness and the need to be in front and we all struggle with that. But thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way and tenderly and lovingly bringing us back to what we need to be doing as believers. I pray, God, that forgiveness would flow. I pray for anyone here that may feel slighted or hurt by church or another Christian. I pray, God, that forgiveness would flow, that our motivation would be to serve. And sometimes we're going to get walked on. Sometimes we're going to be taken advantage of. It happened to you, Jesus. It's going to happen to us. But Lord, help, help us not to become bitter. Help, help those things not to thwart us from serving you and the body of Christ, because we're all a work in progress. At the end of the day, we're all going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt each other. But help us to serve so that unity can flow within the body of Christ. So we thank you for showing us the way. And Jesus, you you told your disciples during that last supper that whenever you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. So as we take communion today, we remember, we remember what you've accomplished for us that we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. So God, just bless this time as we just worship you. Thank you for your sacrifice.